Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise. (laughs) It's okay, we understand. But I'm afraid that neither of those fantasies are helping you move on with your life. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. If you've got a dilemma to share, please call our voicemail number at 1-234-DILEMMA or email us at 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible parents. I'm Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. So, Rick, how was your weekend? Oh, gosh, it was busy. Busy. I worked a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I fell down on my bike. Oh, no. (laughs) I have a big strawberry on my knee like I did when I was six. (laughs) Oh, wow. But you didn't break anything. No, but I hurt my other knee. I've been limping around all (laughs) <laughs> oh. So anyway, I was trying to act like a child and yeah. I'm not a child anymore. Yeah, be be careful. So, yes. So let me tell you this last week on social media I put out a question that said, "What is your most difficult co-parenting issue?" And I actually had a couple of attorneys respond and the issue that they said just drives them crazy is cell phones. Ah, uh, yes. And you and I know that there isn't any other issue that will put the kids in the middle quickly if the parents don't manage it well. That's correct. Yes. So in my experience, and I'm sure in yours as well, one of the issues that comes up for kids is my mom pays for the phone. She pays for my (laughs) cell phone. Yes. So therefore, my dad has no control over my phone. And that just drives me crazy. That's one of my pet peeves about the phone. What, yeah. What's what's your experience with that? Right. It becomes a power struggle. I mean, you end up with power struggles with children anyway. And the whole point, nobody wins a power struggle, so don't get into one. And now the phone becomes a power struggle. Exactly. Between. And oftentimes it seems that the parent who buys the phone does so because he or she is not getting enough communication with their child while they're at the other parent's house. So they perceive the reason why the child isn't calling them or returning their phone calls once a day or whatever the court order says they're allowed to talk with their child when they're not with them. And their perception is the other parent is somehow interfering or not allowing them to use their phone or using the phone as a punishment. So I'll buy them a phone. Then I'll tell my child, it's my phone. Your dad or your mom can't control it. What do you think the problem is with that philosophy? Oh, gosh. I mean, it it ends up having the child (laughs) in that moment with a power struggle, leveraging dad to win the power struggle over mom. Right. So the analogy I use with parents is 
And I recently had this with a one parent bought the 10 year old a phone and the other parent didn't think the 10 year old should have a phone because she was too young, but then told the 10 year old, I bought this phone. Mommy's not allowed to do anything mm. with it. And that would be like sending your 10 year old to bed at night with a knife. Oh. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> Well, give me the knife because you're 10 and I don't want you to roll over on it because that's how dangerous I believe phones can be when they're not monitored, especially for young children. I've seen terrible things happen with these young kids where they hook up on these sites. They think they're talking to other children and they're talking to pedophiles. Right. So to me, it's a weapon and you wouldn't give your child a weapon but the child's going, well, this is my dad's phone. And he said that you can't take it away from me. And like you said, that's giving the child so much power. Yes. And I like that metaphor of a weapon because if you have a weapon, okay, yes, but you need to learn how to use it and you need some safety protocols around it. Exactly. So we came up, our organization came up with some phone and communication rules with children that we actually teach to parents. And one of those rules is regardless of who purchases and pays for a cell phone for a child, once the child is given possession of the phone, the phone is the responsibility of the child, but managed by whichever parent they're with. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. It would be the same thing if a child bought something for themselves at the store and brought it home. It would belong to the child, but mom or dad would still manage it. Like a puppy. Like a puppy. <laughs> no, you can't take the puppy to bed. <laughs> well, maybe you can, but you know how kids always want puppies and then they don't want to take care of it. And then Precisely. Mom yes. or dad has to take care of it. So, but there's a balance here. The parents should be able to have their own rules about communication and about technology in their own home, yes. but should not use those rules to keep the child from communicating with the other parent because well, that's the, what the parent who bought the phone is worried about, right? They're going to take the phone away as punishment. Oh, she's grounded for two weeks. So she can't call you for two weeks. That's not what we're saying. No. So the way that we get around that is that each parent should actually write down their technology rules that are in their home and share them with the other parent. So absolutely, you're allowed to say no phone after nine o'clock. The phone goes into a basket in the kitchen or into the parent's bedroom so the child can't access it after nine. That would be one rule or no phone use during dinner or no phone use between three and four while you're doing homework. If the other parent knows that's what your rules are, then they know not to call right <laughs> between three and four, not to call after nine. And you have to respect those rules because every parent is allowed to have their rules around those types of things. Yeah, not just that. I mean, based on the earlier episode that we did about doing the right thing, having the right mindset, yes, you still have the right to call during dinner time because the parenting plan says you have open access to your well, mm -hmm. But as soon as you do, sitting at that dinner table, the child's put in this dilemma. Should I answer the phone? I'm going to get in trouble one way or the other. Yes. We'll get to that a little bit later. I want to talk about how the child feels about phone calls. Oh, yes. But because this is often a clause in the parenting plan, we have to honor the fact that legally parents have rights 
to communicate with their children when they're not with them. So another rule that we have is under no circumstances should the parent rules prevent the child from having reasonable access to the other parent, nor should we try to limit a child's desire to talk to their other parent. If your child wants to call mom three times a day, you should let that child. But it's mom's responsibility on the other end to limit if it begins to get too much, because then we have that complaint. Well, the child's at dad's house, but the child calls mom and they spend three hours on the phone. <laughs> uh huh. And that feels disrespectful to the yeah. parent who has the child. So the mother needs to listen to maybe call number two. Listen, and sometimes it's the child complaining about dad. He's yelling at me. He's disciplining me. He's making yes. me do chores. I hate it here. Uh, wow, right. wow, right. And the and the other parent will just say, "Mom, for now." She'll say, "Well." you know, I understand. And sometimes we'll even play into that with the child. I know your dad's a horrible person, right? Isn't helpful. So it's really up to mom to say, listen, this is our third phone call. I'm sure you and your dad can work this out because the message is he's a parent too. Yeah. So you might not like his rules. You might not like how he's behaving. If it's not unsafe, then you just say, we'll talk about this when you get home on Monday. Thank right. you. You know, and then you stop answering those calls. And I know that's really hard because it's your child, but if you keep answering and keep talking and keep listening to the complaints, what you're saying is dad can't handle it. Right. And the danger is if the child believes, well, this could be for another episode sometime, yeah. but where the child believes that they have to be upset with dad in order to earn mom's good graces. So sure. I, I need to call in the middle of the night and complain because yeah. mom's going to yeah. like that. That makes her happy somehow, which yes. is borderline alienation behavior, right? Let's see. Another rule is that the parties agree to not require the child to be on speaker while talking on the phone. That's... Ooh. I think that should be a given, but it's surprising how many people will require that. And they shall each provide the child with a private place to have communication with the other parents. So just as when they go to the other parent's house and they have private conversations, you're not privy to those. So you shouldn't be private to their conversations when they're with you, or you shouldn't monitor their texting with the other parent. Yes. And I, this one, I think, is a great place to start in terms of creating your boundaries, healthy boundaries for the child, for the phone and with the other parent. Because oftentimes what I see is they'll want to put it on speakerphone because they want to hear everything that other parent is saying to the child. And if they're going to say something wrong or say something about them or lie, and that has the other parent in their head too much you're still thinking about defending yourself right. and justifying yourself and you're afraid of the other parent you have to let go and this is a good place to do that let the child go to the other room and have their conversation and breathe i once had a little boy tell me that when i'm at my mom's house and my dad calls or I'm at my dad's house and my mom calls, it feels like the enemy is calling. Oh, man. That <laughs> just breaks my heart. And he said it so innocently because he said, it's not my enemy, but it's their enemy. So here they are standing there. Mom's standing over them, listening to every word. Dad is saying, hey, buddy, I love you. And he's looking at mom going, 
yeah, me too. <laughs> like, uh-huh. You know, should I be nice if I'm nice to dad in front of mom? Will she be upset or jealous if I'm nice to mom while dad is on the phone or while dad is standing there? Is he going to be mad that I'm not angry with her? And those perceptions might not even be true. Right. It might be that dad would be perfectly fine with a child saying, I love you to mom or vice versa, but he doesn't know that because all he knows is mom and dad don't like each other. He may even perceive they hate each other based on past history. So it's a very sensitive issue. And I've had parents say, it feels like every time I call my child, they're in distress. Yes. If that was me, I would stop calling my child. For the child's sake. Yes. (laughs) I mean, who's to call for, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Now, again, we can't tell people that they don't have a right because the court order might say you get to talk to your child but on a certain time each day or whatever. But I, I have a great deal of respect for a co-parent who says, hey, listen, if when I call, it's just uncomfortable, maybe even use a code word and just say peaches <laughs> or elephant. And that tells me this, this isn't a good time and, and I'm not in a comfortable place or I don't really want to talk and then just hang up and say, I get it. Yeah. And that might be sad for you because you didn't get to talk to your child. But I tell you what, your child will remember that forever, that at least one parent knew how to take them out of the middle. At least yes. one parent knew what to do with that and got it. And that's what we mean by it only takes one parent to promote the mental and emotional well-being of your child. You both don't have to do that. But if there's one, then yay, the child gets out of the middle. Exactly. So let it go or hold on. Let's attach it to that. Mm, I'm going to go back with you have to have your thinking right. Think of what the kid is going through and i would lean more on let it go because when you hold on holding on would mean they won't answer my calls and mom or dad won't make them call me back which is ridiculous by the way if you really want someone to have to make them want to talk to you i right. would i wouldn't yeah. want my child to be forced to talk to me that wouldn't be a pleasant conversation no but because i have legal rights i'm going to buy my child a phone i'm going to make sure they call me every day at a certain time that feels like holding on too tight and that hurts the child. And so I think in this one, holding on too tight to this right really probably hurts them more than helps them. But letting go, meaning I'm going to understand how hard it might be for you. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that this might be difficult. And I'm not going to make this a requirement of our relationship they'll probably then want to talk to you. Uh, yes. And there's some age appropriate. I mean, what we're talking about varies with age. So obviously a 14-year-old in the middle of a video game is not going to want to have a conversation with you. Right. It, right. It's not the other parent holding them back from talking right. to you. Uh, I know. And then the parent who's making the call is like, you must not love me. You love right. video games better. And I hate to tell you, but that's true in the moment. Yes. <laughs> right. It might not be true overall, but in that moment when they're having a good time with a friend, the thought of having to talk to my parent on the phone, which by the way, is not how any of us really want to have conversations. I would rather do it in person most of the time. Well, and I've seen where on the younger age, the child doesn't have an attention span long enough to stay in the screen. (laughs) And the other parent wants to make them hold the phone and chase the child around. And that (laughs) 
puts the parent involved way too close because yeah. a lot of the conflicts I see is where the one parent's trying to talk to the other parent during the child's phone time and right. they're giving them instructions and they're telling sure. them what to do and it just causes a whole bunch of stress. Yeah, I've, I've advised parents if they're old enough, maybe four and up, put them in their room with the FaceTime or the iPad or whatever and let the parent on the iPad manage them. And they'll see it's not an easy thing to manage a four-year-old because they're going to want to show you. I've had counseling sessions via Zoom and I stopped doing it with little kids because yeah. they're hiding under the bed with, you know, and I'm the therapist trying to say, okay, let's talk about something here. And so parents have to have some common sense yeah. with this one. And I want to tie this back into your earlier point. Too often I see a big conflict because the parenting plan is written poorly. It just right. says you can't be denied access to the other parent. Or reasonable communication. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And a short paragraph is risky. So part of the solution could be writing a better paragraph around communication between parent and child when that child's not with that parent. Right. And the rules that we're going to put in the show notes are written in a way that can be put into your parenting plan. And I think this really goes back to 20 years ago, this wasn't a problem. And we're still using the same language we used 20 years ago. You know, yes. 20 years ago, you called the home phone, the landline. <laughs> yes. Left message. You know, there wasn't all of these points of blame. You yes. Know, it wasn't so easy to say, well, I didn't have my phone or my phone was turned off. It, yeah. it becomes very complicated unless you put details in right. that paragraph. And as children get older, we forget that they're supposed to grow away from us. So the older they get, the less they really do want to talk to us. But yet I've seen so many co-parents take that personally. And you just have to allow your child to be a kid. Well, I'm glad that the attorneys decided to weigh in and we invite attorneys to call as well, because oftentimes you have cases where maybe you're too close to the conflict and need an objective point of view. Yeah, these problems show up in attorney's offices and counselor's office. So it, it's really nice that we could hear from them as well. So give us a call or email us. Yep. All right. Well, I will talk to you all next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. We hope this episode was helpful to you. If you'd like to share your dilemma or tell us how something we said has benefited your situation, please call 1-234-DILEMMA. That's 234-362-3445. Or email 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Co-Parent Dilemmas wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a favorable rating. That will make us more accessible to co-parents who are searching for help. Thank you for being part of our non-impossible family.